Jolly Cooperation, and welcome to the Midnight Channel. Jolly Cooperation? Jolly Cooperation. Hello and welcome to the Midnight Channel. I'm Jack Whelan, the only host that matters now. I'm Henry Clark, Jolly Cooperation. <laughs> Why are you saying that? It's a Dark Souls 2 reference. Um... <laughs> For my sun bros. Welcome back to the Dark Souls 2 cast starring Henry Clark and no one else that matters. <laughs> um, but we're going to avoid talking about Dark Souls this week. Because oh, are we? Because this, this week, I'm going to sit down with my friend Patrick, and we're going to do our, our Dark Souls. We're going to get into lore a little bit. We've been uh, arguing and discussing a lot about the lore this past week, and kind of put together... I'm kind of trying to put together like a few beginner tips for items and certain things that you should like jump on really quick, and a little bit of a idea of player progression, and then uh, just some stats. A lot of really important stat changes and... Um, things like that. So I'm kind of forming a little bit of a beginner's guide to go with our Dark Souls discussion. Cute. Um, but yeah, so that's it. I've been playing Dark Souls. Um, I have gotten <laughs> uh, rehooked on the Civilization Five meth digital meth button um, that I just keep hitting every time I want to have four hours of my life vanish. Um, I've never, I've never, I've never been a big like uh, real time strategy gamer. Um, I've never been a big sim sim game play, player or anything like that. Why? I mean, I've I've never been a big PC. I've had Macs all my life, um, like all my life. You. So I've played. I played a lot of uh, Warcraft three, and when Dota before Dota was an actual game, mm-hmm. I played Dota. But that's that's a MOBA, I guess you could say now. Mm-hmm. Is uh, so it's not even a real that's time. A, you you wanna you wanna deacronize acronym that uh, for the uh... multiple MOBA. Wow. <laughs> Can you know your acronyms, boy? Yeah, I know. I'm so embarrassed now that I used it. Multiple lane enemy attack. Multiplayer online battle arena. I don't play them anymore. Hey, so. there goes you. Hey, look, look, look. See that thing that's flying out the window? That's your credibility. Yeah, that's not only my credibility, but I know there's a lot of MOBA gamers out there. You need to drop something else in sometime in this podcast to give yourself a bit of a credibility boost. I play a lot of Dark Souls. This is really not <laughs> helping. You know, I've been playing Civilization Five for the past few days because, as I said, I just want to watch hours of my life vanish as if nothing had ever happened. But it's fun. Civ is always very fun. I love Civ, um, especially with Brave New, especially with Brave New World finally making Civilization Five the game that it needs to be. Is that a expansion? Yeah, it yeah. is. It dropped like a few more uh, civilizations, but more importantly, the concept of tourism and the concept of international trade, mm. which just makes it overall kind of man. Deep. That game, that game goes deep. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty deep. The thing is, Civ Five is as deep or as shallow as you want it to be. There's a nice gradient in like how involved you can be in the running of everything and how much you can leave it to automation. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably trying to find a balance between the two is super, yeah. super important. Well, it's important, but it's also just like it depends on how you how the game how you want to play the game, basically. Yeah. See, I'm not. I'm never a big fan of resource based games where I really need to. And I like it if it's like resources based off my own inventory, like survival horror games, mm-hmm. but not when it's like I need to pay attention to wood and stuff like that. Well, the thing that. about Civ is that like nothing like that, it's not about gathering. Mm-hmm. It's all about like, well, there's a resource I can exploit. I'm going to plop something down there that will let me exploit this resource continually. 
And then I may have to defend that resource. Yep. And it's all in naturally hexagonal tiles, and it's turn-based, so it's not really sort of an Age of Empires strategy game. It's okay. very... It's a much more different beast from that. Yeah. Turn-based means you get a lot of time to think about what you want to do and how you want to set things up. And yeah. It's a good game for people who like playing playing something with depth and distance. Uh, it's kind of... It, it's it's You're in it for the long run. Building it's take kind of like the, 10 turns to build if you're not... Being yet. in like a godlike position. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still a lot of fun. Like there's, there's quirks to it as well. For instance, like it's well known that Gandhi uh, is a... Like nuclear level psycho in the game <laughs> who will just declare war on anyone at the at the drop of a hat so there's just like a lot of a lot of really funny little jokes like that well, quirks yeah. yeah i'm not sure if this is intentional or not um but it's something that i have to deal with and something i have to be terrified of every time of, gandhi shows up one of my favorite uh well actually i got before i forget gandhi uh, when I was in a hardcore band in high school, we had a song called Knife Fight that was all about getting in a knife fight with Gandhi. Um, As you do. Yeah. and uh, But uh, one of my favorite games of all time is Act Razor, which was for the arcade and for Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And it's a side-scrolling action game where you play like a god. Where okay. You play like an angel warrior and you fight monsters, and then once you clear the monsters out of an area, you can set up a civilization. Hmm. And it all of a sudden becomes this overhead kind of sim strategy game. Is it a bit like black and white? Uh, mm, no. Okay. Because once you're once you're outside of that side-scrolling battle, it, there's no more fighting or anything like that. It's all about... Uh, it's a little bit more of a religious tone because it's more about uh, your followers. Like the people are your followers and they're worshiping you. So you need to guide them to build and then reap the rewards from their offerings to mm-hmm. build up your kingdom and expand across the land okay. and you know yeah. spread out the human touch. And each time you go to a new area, you have to side scroll battle, fight a boss like a giant monster. So mm-hmm. it's just like one of the coolest, most innovative games that's ever been created. Well, oh, that's high praise indeed. Yeah. For Super Nintendo, it was like 1991. They oh. made two of them. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, what else have you been doing this week? Oh, you just told me you watched the first episode of House of Cards, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Last night, last night I sat down and watched A little bit behind episode. the curve on this one, I'm but I'm like only on season two of Breaking Bad right now. So. Really? Oh yeah. my god. I'm like, we're, I'm nearly done with the second, uh, the second season. I finished, I finished it this year. Um, like a, I want to finish it just ago. because I have I have miraculously been left unspoilt on yeah. all of the details. It's, so, it's phenomenal. I stayed away from the spoilers when the season finale happened because I was like, I'm such a fan of the series. I it was one of those struggles where I like knew I had to sit down and finish it, but I mm-hmm. just wasn't mentally prepared to yet. So it took me a little while, and I finished it. Loved the ending. It was awesome. Great series. But House of Cards. I've only seen the first episode, but I was blown away. By how good it was. Like a lot of people told me it starts really slow and it's a really slow starting series, but just from the way it was filmed, like the perspective of um, Kevin Spacey breaking. You like the breaking the fourth wall. I you? love that. Yeah, right. I am all about it's that. It's so good. Because political dramas don't grab me like i had a friend i had a roommate once who was really well, into well you are you are you are in a uh, a different beast than when you're <laughs> yeah. watching this yeah well i had a friend who was really into the west wing and they'd always west talk wing about the, west the west wing, wing is one of the greatest tv shows i was just time. like i can't get into it i don't know i can't I was, understand that i can't i just couldn't get into it i think it's like the weird phony sets it has very phony looking sets 
Sets were pretty authentic to my eyes. Yeah, whatever. My eyes are just, you know, a little bit more... Don't you even dare say that your your eyes are better. I can't help wearing, but pick wearing out... Wearing my glasses. <laughs> I can't help but pick out, like, fucking backlots in any TV show I watch. Like, yeah, that's a fucking backlot. That's just taking me right out of it now. Which, by the way, this week I wanted to mention this. I watched the trailer for the new X-Men movie. Uh, and I was... Can we, let us shelve that for a second because I want to see how good the backgrounds looked. Everything, all the special effect looks so good. Okay, f- fine. Fuck House of Cards. Everyone knows that it's really good. I like. There is two. There are four reasons I'm excited for this film, and those reasons are Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen and Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy. Those are the only reasons I am excited and for that the film. The slow and steady death as Hugh Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. What do you what do you talk we we're just talking about last week that Fox are going to give him a third Wolverine movie. Yeah, I well I mean that's what I mean because they're doing his contract is just this next X-Men movie and then that last Wolverine movie and then he's supposedly done playing Wolverine. Oof. Yeah, so uh in uh, as far as I know uh, in Apocalypse, X Men Apocalypse, Age of Apocalypse, is that right? Yeah, uh, it's just it's just X Men Apocalypse. X Men Apocalypse, the um, the title. Age of Apocalypse is the actual comic. Age of Apocalypse is the actual thing, but yeah. uh, this isn't so much of an Age of Age of Apocalypse thing as just a X Men movie, yeah. an X Men movie starring Apocalypse. Apocalypse yeah, but uh, uh, supposedly Wolverine's not going to play, <sighs> or Hugh Jackman's not going to play Wolverine. In I really hope so. Apocalypse, so that'd Those... be awesome. God. You could actually you could actually get a manly man, an actual man, and not somebody who is in Kate and Leopold. Hugh Jackman what would break fuck? you in half, but uh, I truly do not think Hugh Jackman would break me in half. I'm pretty sure I would. He looks like he could break you. I in would half. strangle Hugh Jackman. I would wrangle that dude to the ground. <laughs> you listening, Mister Jackman? Call us. Yeah, or call me in particular, um, and I will smash you. <laughs> I just. I don't necessarily like him, but I think a lot of my hatred from him springs from the fact that I really just fucking hate Wolverine as a character. I love Wolverine. See, I grew up watching the X-Men animated TV series and the little Wolverine arc they have in it where he... Did it not always annoy you, even as a kid, that he never actually stabbed things that weren't robots? He just hit them with the front definitely. of his claws? I mean, that's definitely always been a problem I've had with cartoons. <laughs> but I mean, it's a it's a good way. That's the thing like Samurai Jack always did. Yeah, Samurai know. Jack always fought robots, but that show was so beautiful and perfect that yeah. nothing is ever wrong with it, and don't yeah. even attempt to suggest. No, I'm is. not. But I'm saying that's the way they got, a, got good. Away, I just wanted to make got that away clear. from the violence is because either he was like anything that he was killing that was organic was like a giant worm that sprayed out like green acid blood. So it like that violence isn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's like if it's red blood, then it becomes a big deal. And yet, in Batman the Animated Series, someone got shot with a gun. <laughs> actual guns that series is awesome yeah that series is awesome for a lot of reasons which which by the way somebody brought up to me this week which reminded me about batman stuff i'd love is mask of the phantasm oh well what a great you're you're watching that on the week that like arkham knight is getting even more publicity yeah tons and tons but should we just not care about that and talk about Um, how awesome mask of the phantasm is i mean I saw the armor set. It looks everything looks really cool, and uh, the armor set, the the Arkham Knight, and it, the Arkham Knight him or herself is actually a totally original character. Really? Yeah. I mean, which is an interesting kinda... idea. Um, I suppose mostly because they have got a ton of back characters they could potentially be, and everyone is presuming that it's just going to be Jason Todd. Mm-hmm. But 
whatever. I mean, uh, also, Arkham City is on free for PlayStation Plus this month. Oh. So if you haven't played that game and you have PlayStation Plus, or you're thinking about getting PlayStation Plus, do it for that game. Yeah, you should. Wow. Well, not, not do it for that game, because you can get it for like 10 bucks on Steam like pretty much once a month. But if you, it, you know, if you're thinking about PlayStation Plus, that's definitely... Definitely it's definitely a cool, worthy a cool thing. Yeah, I mean, because I played Bioshock Infinite for free on PlayStation Plus. Nice. Um, what a game. Yeah. Um, what were we saying about? Oh, can we? Yeah, uh, X Men: Days of Future Past. Yeah, taking some steps back. Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm like uh, the new trailer dropped this week. I'm. I'm just not excited. Other than other than for those four reasons, it Fast Nito really cool. and Ian McKellen Magneto are just perfect. Quicksilver looks so dumb. Yeah, <laughs> we've known that for months. Yeah, but like, we've, we've this new trailer doesn't that. necessarily. It's like, oh, does post-apocalyptic New York for one thing? All your fucking armor looks dumb. Oh, hey, it's Iceman and Shadowcat. I wonder what three minutes of screen time they're going to get and what they're going to do with it. Yeah, but like, I mean, the thing, the thing that I got really pumped about is like I mentioned the special effects and the backgrounds and everything, yeah. it, because the X Men movies have not particularly had amazing special effects. Um, they've had some good sets, though, like the plastic prison yeah. set and, you know, Magneto's first base. That was... Well, that was the first... The plastic prison X-Men breakout movie. is still a fantastic scene. What? Oh, that's one of the greatest scenes of of maybe any comic book movie. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. Like, that for one's all, amazing. For all X-Men 2 is a bit kooky when and aged at this all the, Yeah. all the for metal all, out of his blood. For all X2 is very kooky at this stage and, you know... Not necessarily holding up. And it's a, still it's still good for that scene. And well, and also, I feel like they also did a really good job with the makeup throughout the series. Like Nightcrawler looked really cool. Yeah, so did Mystique. And they fucking got uh, Alan Cummings to play Nightcrawler too, which was really cool. Yeah, shame he never came back for no, because he's he is phenomenal. Like. Uh, you may think this is a joke, but him in Spy Kids is like one of the one of my favorite roles of all time. Like it's so him and Tony. Why Shalhoub would we think that's so a joke? Weird. <laughs> yeah, why? I wonder. <laughs> um, yeah, like I'm just, I just, I can't get myself too worked up for this because, for one thing, any the first class was fun, but it wasn't the reboot that it should have been. Mm-hmm. Um. And I'm still on the edge about this movie just being a gigantic continuity clusterfuck. And no one gets the screen time they deserve and Hugh Jackman is on constantly. And I, I, I Prove me wrong. I think, future past, prove I think me it wrong. will be a continuity clusterfuck. I think that's, that's pretty spot on. Um, but speaking of trailers, another trailer dropped this week. Mm-hmm. Which is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles trailer. Mm. <laughs> No longer teenage alien Ninja Turtles. Yeah. But they remain mutant. <laughs> they do remain mutant. And because this is modern day Hollywood, April O'Neil's father has somehow managed to create the ooze that to gave make them their these powers. Superheroes. And presumably has a hand in Shredder's origin as well, because Shredder's probably going to be like a business rival of his who wants, I don't know the properties of the ooze to take over the world or something. This is looking like it could be the most cliched ball of shit ever. Yeah. Now, this, like, here's the thing. Um, we the, wanted to create <clears throat> heroes. Let's just, yeah. Let's just, let, let me just preface this by saying that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, as a concept on its own, is dumb as shit. I mean, but like, it, it, it was cool. a bur- it was from the '80s, yeah. so it was like yeah, this the, cool kids, you know. That's the thing. I, I totally it, it's agree with cool that. and it's fun, but it's still dumb as shit. Yeah. 
Like they're four, they're four fucking filthy teenagers living in a sewer with an old man who's like, oh my my bones, and well, they're all like kickboarding over him and just going, cow cow bunga, dude, kind of buying pizzas with his disability checks and oh, no no, like see talk. Uh, like, like, sorry, but can I just say that like poor Splinter, he's just like he's this really wise old man who has to live. In in shit with some fucking well, teenagers. It kind of always seemed like he was sectioned off a little bit. Like he had his own little hangout. He's still spot living in a fucking like, sewer. Okay, here's the thing though. So it was the rat was uh would train under a teacher. Like he was the pet of like a martial arts master and would train with the master. And then somehow in the sewers, you know, like Shredder kills his teacher or something See, like I that. I always thought it was the other way around. I always thought that he was a um, he was a man who got turned into a mutant rat. No, he was a he was a rat who was the pet of a of a martial arts master. And then Shredder comes in and kills his master. And then uh, you know he like go, escapes into the sewers and gets infected by the ooze with the turtles with the baby turtles and kind of raises these turtles in martial arts. And it's like. That's, like, a really beautiful, amazing thing. Um, Like, coming from a martial artist. Like, that's a really cool thing. And then to take that and be like, no, they were genetically engineered to be superheroes, you know? I think that's really where Here's where I got it wrong. Um, In the comics, the 2003 cartoon and the movies, he was the rat that... Who and Shredder killed his master. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the 1987 series, the 2012 series, and the Archie Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics, uh, he was the master who then got turned into a rat. Into a rat. Okay. So, like, he has had pretty much a those two different origins in equal measure throughout a his entire, much, um, like, yeah. popular culture life. Did you ever see the cartoon? It was a newer one that was, like, the Ninja Turtles in the future. Um... I do not know. That was the dumbest uh, thing I've ever seen in my life. You're saying that about a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles property, so... See, I, I think uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is one of those things that should have been, like, left alone in the 80s, you know? Uh, yes, but unfortunately, because it is popular and marketable and, yeah. you know, exists, it's going to get Just a remake someone, every few years or someone so. Someone come up with a new IP. I'm so tired. Nope. I'm so tired of happen. X-Men. I'm so tired of, you know, Marvel characters. And, I mean, I love them all and I f- will forever be a fan. But, like, give me something new. Give me something fresh. Do you know what my... Just uh, doesn't exist Do you anymore. know what my favorite part of this trailer was? And it wasn't anything of it. Uh, was, <laughs> uh, like, the Nickelodeon logo coming up. And then it was like, the world is in peril. Terrorist firing a gun into the air. It's such a dichotomy. I loved it. Yeah. Um, trailer itself looks fucking dumb. If you've seen a Michael Bay movie, you've seen this trailer. Yeah. Because it's just a load of explosions, really fucking stupid dialogue, and Megan Fox in a yellow leather jacket as April O'Neil. Which is horrible. It's... <laughs> Like, I don't know. I think Michael Bay's like... I can't get angry at this because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has never been a property that I have adored at one point. Mm -hmm. And I've also, like, tried to take steps throughout my life to not be angry when stuff gets remade in a way I don't like it. Because, like, no, I had that thing. That thing was mine and I enjoyed it. Yes, it's shit it's getting remade. But there are bigger problems in the world than me arguing over what Star-Lord's costume is going to be (laughs) in Guardians of the Galaxy. Which, by the way... I love. Um, 
Like, you, you, you can't really get... You can complain all you want, but it's not going to fucking do anything. This movie's still going to get made. You're still probably going to go along and see it, and it's still yeah. probably going to be dumb as shit. Just remember that the original concept as it is, is dumb as shit and weird as shit. But so, it was so come on. beautiful in that in that format, though. You know, no, like, I mean, the format. animation was still awful. Man, I think I think that's that's the place where it... Like, come on, I challenge I challenge any child of the 80s to go back and watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Thundercats or He-Man and say, wow, the production values and scripting and story and, you know, just the art and the animation, all of them are really good and they really hold up without me putting a wave of nostalgia onto these things. Well, I mean, He-Man fucking reused animation. The animators in He-Man actively had competitions to see when they could reuse animation. You, you brought up Thundercats in that. And in my opinion, I love Thundercats. Thundercats Don't is get one me of wrong. the one of the coolest things to ever exist. Holy shit. Speaking of Thundercats, awesome? did you ever hear um the uh outtakes that somehow got leaked and made their way to YouTube. No. It's just outtakes of a voice recording. There's no actual animation to do it, so people just find some and put them in, but they're like, I want to see your tits, my dear. What the <laughs> It's so great. It's like, Panthro just like, it's going, oh, I don't need to get any fucking car with <laughs> It's so good. I do, like, if you haven't seen it, look it up. It's amazing. And they're all after Chitara, definitely. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. And all of those guys were probably on, like, Tons of blow. Maybe, this is the thing. Like yeah. you, gotta, you gotta understand that all those comic, all those cartoons you watch as a kid do not hold up. I Except for Batman the Animated Series, that is. That is I think Thundercats would. Immortal. I mean, I think I think if you were to show Thundercats to a kid today, nope. they, would, they would fall in love with it for sure. Mm, well, they might, yeah, but like, because I mean, I'm talking about like if you show Thundercats to an uh, to an adult who have an uh, who adults who, like adults are so rem- removed from like actual beauty that I think what the fuck are you talking about I don't about? think I think <laughs> everybody is like so clouded by so much bullshit that they don't actually get to see like art or really get to enjoy anything I think it's very you know very what I've been rare. saying about reusing animation for these things they needed to be made as cheaply but as it, fucking possible and also that was the time and the technology and like See, coming coming from me, when I grew up, I watched a lot, a lot of, like, Herculoids and Space Ghost. I watched all those, uh, what are they, Hanna-Barbera cartoons. I watched those constantly, and I was, like, 30 or 40 years removed from that. Space Ghost is not a 1960s cartoon. Space Ghost? What, what year was space, space Ghost? Space Ghost is, like, early 2000s or late 90s Adult Swim. No, no. Okay, so that's Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Space Ghost was originally a cartoon from the 60s. Oh. Yeah, same with Brack. And Brack was a Brack was an enemy. Like Brack oh, was like Oh, you a are henchman. right. I am so sorry yeah. about that. Dude, I that's what when Toonami first started, that's what Toonami was. And there was the one about the two kids who had the genie. Like I I growing up That is sorry, but that is so weird for me that like a Hanna-Barbera cartoon would, like, allow themselves to just go, yeah, no, just take take our character and make a, like, shitty late-night talk show out of <laughs> <Yeah>. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I guess nobody... I mean, I didn't fucking know about him, clearly, so yeah. maybe that's why. Well, I mean, it was, like I said, it was, it was made quite quite a few years ago, so maybe there was some legal, legal leeway they had. Mm-hmm. Um, plus Cartoon Network probably had the rights to it or something. And well, Cartoon Network had show. a ton of Hanna-Barbera stuff, so yeah. yeah. But uh, ba- like back when growing up, they showed all like the Tex Avery cartoons and all mm-hmm. the old Acme cartoons and you know all those really really genius 
uh, Looney Tunes and stuff. See, that's the thing. The, just not around anymore. Yeah. I will admit that, like, the 1940s and 50s um, Looney Tunes stuff remains just some of my favorite pop culture ever. Because some of some of that stuff is genius. Like there's the one about the woodland animals. That... No, like they they're just like they are perfect all ages. Everything anyone can watch them and yep. have a good time with them, and they remain timeless and classic and yep. perfect. And it, to a certain extent, it, it's like I, I'm glad to see. Uh, do you know that Disney are doing like Mickey Mouse shorts at the moment Mm-mm. in the style of. 40s and, thir- and 30s well, they kind of did that with uh, that show House of Mouse too. Sort of, but that that was very much your more modern, like a you, that variety. Was, like if you think of the modern look of Mickey Mouse, that was House of Mouse. Yeah, this is the 40s look of Mickey Mouse oh. and the 40s style of Mickey Mouse as sort of a Looney Tunes esque bumbling character, which like farcical stuff happens to. Mm-hmm. As opposed to Mickey, the current iteration of Disney, like Mickey is just been for the last. Like twenty or so years, a pretty tame corporate mascot. Yeah, like he hasn't actually been used as a character has, or anything. Well, and now he's for, getting, now except he's, for Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, which still, even so, he was like, he just doesn't have any personality. Like, if you asked somebody, if you were like, what is the personality of Mickey Mouse? They wouldn't. No be one has any you. fucking clue. But if you were like, what's the personality of Donald Duck? They'd be like, oh well, he has a short temper, yep. and he's like, you know, really like an angry dude. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, I get why that I I get to a certain extent why it happened because you know if you have one of the most recognizable symbols in pop culture, you don't want to sully that by doing anything to anything dangerous with it. But that has led, of course, to Disney not doing absolutely anything with them. And now they are; they're making some really, really good, really beautiful Mickey Mouse. Catches, That's cool to hear. Uh, shorts from. You should look them up if you can. I'm not sure where you can get them on the internet, but I'm sure it's possible to. Uh, uh, find them somewhere. So check those out. They are actually quite good. Yeah, I always I always keep hoping that some somebody like Hulu or Netflix will pick up all the old Looney Tunes stuff, you know, and all that. Warner Brothers pulled all of their movies from Netflix because they have their own streaming service they want to get off the ground, so that's not going to happen oh, anytime soon. That's so dumb. That's why you can't get a lot of Warner Brothers stuff on Netflix. Yeah. You can get some CW stuff, but... Who cares? You're not going to see The Dark Knight... Or Who watches the CW. Apparently, a lot of people because Arrow, I know, I don't Arrow under, is very popular. I don't understand it. I just can't figure it out. It's like all this teen drama bullshit everywhere. That's all. That's the thing all about the is. CW is like we started watching the Tomorrow People, which is the CW's mutant show, um, around the same time, around the same time that we were watching Agents of Shield. And while the Tomorrow People is very, very paint by numbers, it's like okay, attractive white guy in charge. Attractive white main character, attractive white female main character, attractive white third character who is in a romantic rivalry with attractive attractive white lead character, ethnic side character, yeah, and that and you know attractive white villain, yeah. It's a CW show in those regards, but at the same time, the special effects are good, the action sequences are good, it's punchy and it's quite enjoyable. And we were kind of wondering, it's like, well, this is kind of the show that we want S.H.I.E.L.D. to be. You have a show where you're going to have superpowered individuals, why not show us fucking superpowered individuals? So, like, the CW, yeah, they, they're not adventurous and they do not in any way branch out from their formula. But, you know, there's a reason for that. People, people like the shows. Yeah. They're enjoyable and modestly entertaining. I thought instead of modestly entertaining, you were going to say mind-numbing. Because well, that, they can be a little bit. That's the word I was... Those were the words I was going to think of to describe CW shows is that show that just kind of like... 
you know, when you go home, when you go home, you just work all day, go home, and then watch TV and go on autopilot. <laughs> I feel like that's what the CW shows are really good for. Um, that's certainly certainly what they are good for. Yeah. Um, I've yet to see one I enjoy. If somebody has one and they're, they're like, no, this one will change your mind, we'll see. Yeah, indeed. Um, what else is news? Yeah, so the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie looks dumb as fuck. Yeah. Um, the other, movie, other movie news this week... You might have heard about the uh, new new Harry Potter film. The Warner Brothers are going to be cranking out Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Scripted and story by J.K. Rowling. Uh, turns out that's going to be a trilogy. Um, in a move that surprises absolutely fucking no one. Uh, because Warner Brothers wants money. And what and better way to do money than yeah. giving a new, tri- a new trilogy of a very, very established and very popular franchise. Like, I mean, the last Harry Potter film broke the billion-dollar mark. Yeah. It makes absolute sense that they want to keep milking this franchise for as much as they possibly can. And I'm kind of excited for this, because, like, I love the books. And to a certain extent, I love the films, even though there's a whole lot wrong with a lot of them. And this is going to be set in 1920s New York. And it's going to involve a wizard trying to chase down magical creatures. That sounds like it could be a whole lot of fun. See, I, this is somebody who, like, hates the Harry Potter series, because... You're talking about yourself, Myself, yeah. Um, I've always had a lot of problems with, like, the way the story functions and kind of the characters are so, like, pretty, pretty like, bland and unrelatable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really, like, understand their struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh... But one thing, I had an interesting conversation with a friend a little while ago who's super into, like, chaos magic and... Uh, Is your friend Grant Morrison? No, but they're really into kind of, like, a lot of that kind of alternative thought and, like, Wiccan stuff and okay. really, like, reading and learning about that stuff, runes and stuff. And, you know, there's always kind of an idea in magic that it's really in balance with, like, nature and the world and... You need to... This is getting pretty out there. Yeah, you need to, like, give stuff up instead of... To receive something, you know? Like, that sacrifice is always necessary. And I've, I've always kind of felt like Harry Potter and the wizarding... It's it's wizards for, like, normal, boring people who, like... <laughs> who, like, won't understand anything, any, like, too complex of a... Have you read the books? Of a topic. I've read the first five, and then I stopped. Hmm. Well, I mean, no, it's not, I guess it's not for everyone. I and think it got, I will say, it got, the fifth book was my favorite. I, ne- yeah, I mean, I got much I better never, I never ever read them from the point of like, this is, has everything to do with real magic as people see it. I just read it as fantasy books, see, which are very well written and very well plotted and very well characterized. Uh, not, not so much, not so much like that. I just, it doesn't have any sort of, uh, rule or really the magic just doesn't really feel like a part of the world. It just doesn't, it didn't immerse me enough the way, uh, like that real world magic example, but the way there are a lot of people other, who disagree with you about that. I know. And there's a lot of, like a lot of other fantasy books who like take magic and really like work it into the world. Like my a really good example for this would be like full metal alchemist is full the way alchemy is integrated into the world that it's like such an integral function but there's a whole wizarding the world in Harry Potter, though. Like. Also, like, uh, yeah, but they have a very like unique functioning relationship with it, where it's more like everything's magical, magic, magic, and it's cool and it's awesome and it's flashy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a kids' book, so yeah, it is. So, defi- like, so definitely the so really just the Harry Potter books just really are not for me, and I don't understand why they're as popular as they are. But mm-hmm. 
um, they kind of bore me. Well, you may like the new film then. Yeah. It's set like 70, um, 70 years before any of the events of Harry Potter in, as I said, 1920s uh, and 30s New York. I think that could be a whole lot of fun. Some really like diesel punk like technology designs, just some a really cool look to it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm excited for it. God knows when it's going to be out. Maybe in the next few years. Um, but it's a whole trilogy, so we got three of them to look forward to. Yeah. I will say, though, that Harry Potter had some cool concepts. Yeah. And a lot of cool action like scenes the, in, the, in the... Drinking movies. the unicorn blood, I always thought was really cool. And the uh, the jailers, I can't remember what they were called, but when they give you the kiss of death, stuff like that. Like Dangerous. Azkaban, they had a... And the, the wizard bank, they had a lot of really interesting and fascinating concepts. It was just, you know... Not the whole world wasn't as as well painted for me as I would have liked. Well, fair enough. Yeah. Um. Well, I, I, uh, that pretty much wraps it up as far as news that I've noticed this week. Um. You want to do my comic pick? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. It was a really good week in comics this week. So, uh, coming up with what's going to be my pick was a little bit difficult this week because I kind of want to talk about everything. We were supposed to do a Jonathan Hickman podcast this week, but uh, neither Tim or Jake could unfortunately join us, so we're going to have to save that for uh, sometime in the future. Luckily, Hickman's work is not going anywhere and will only be uh, more and more explored, so looking forward to that. Um, my comic book of the week this week is probably Silver Surfer 1 by Dan Slott and, Mar- and uh, Mike Alred. A um, little bit of background, Silver Surfer has kind of been one of those characters that knocks around the Marvel Universe, never really holds his own series in any sort of major way since the Stanley Space Jesus run in the 70s. Um, but In the really shitty NES game. And the really, <laughs> really good Fox cartoon. Uh, I watched that when I was a really little kid. It was so good. Yeah, back, in, back on Fox Kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... He's kind of knocked around a bit, never really holding down his own series, but everyone knows about him, and everyone knows what he's what he does really. Like, he surfs in space. Yeah, even if you don't know anything about him particularly, you know know the look of that of a, a dude on a surfboard who's all made himself on radiation waves. Um, he had a pretty big role in uh, both Annihilation events, and then as a member of the Annihilators team, and in the Thanos Imperative. And showed up in Thor for a little while, and, you know, has a runner in the Fantastic Four every 20 issues or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but Marvel have launched a new Silver Surfer series uh, in the way that they are doing with their minor characters these days. I'm, I've talked about this before, where they give a character to writers with fairly indie sensibilities and allow them to do essentially whatever the hell they want with them. In the same vein as Hawkeye and Miss Marvel... And to a certain extent, I guess, Captain Marvel. Um, they have given the Silver Surfer to Dan Slott, who has basically been running the Spider-Man universe for the past five years very well. Um, he was the one that got Peter killed and put Dr. Octopus in Peter's mind. Which, by the way, is undone spoilers for Sp- Superior Spider-Man issue 30. Um, so, Dan Slott and Mike Allred. Mike Allred, you probably will have known from his most recent run on FF, but more likely from his very classic run with Peter uh, with Peter Milligan on uh, X-Force and X-Statics um, that kind of redefined Marvel's new direction under Joe Quesada. Um, his art is very, very cool. Very out there. Very... 
different to anything else in the Marvel stock. Um, I have run out of adjectives, so I'm just going to go keep going on. Basically, Marvel have made the Silver Surfer Doctor Who. Um, they introduced him. They introduced uh, this new particular iteration in a story during uh, All New Marvel Now Point One a couple of months ago, where he was uh, traveling with a companion to um, a planet and to see, you know, just do Doctor Who things. Basically, show up, solve a problem show the human a glorious part of the galaxy and, you know, then move on to a new place. And this is really cool. Yeah, I just wa- I would just watch Doctor Who. <laughs> you mean you wouldn't read a comic that is basically Doctor Who except in the Marvel Universe? And with the Silver Surfer. I've honestly... It's my... My dad's favorite superhero is the Silver Surfer. Really? Your yeah. Dad? Oh, yeah. He loves the Silver Surfer. Because my dad's a surfer. Um, oh, cool. <laughs> but uh, he's always been my least favorite char- one of my least favorite characters of Why? anything because he's a surfer in space because he surfs and I just thought Isn't that, that was like so dumb and cool at I the just same thought time? that was you were the one like not 20 minutes ago talking about the Teenage Mutant Turtles and how stupid they are yeah I'm saying it's a stupid <laughs> concept I'm not saying it's not fun uh, I, I don't think it's super fun. And this is the thing, like, I, mean, I, I always they, thought it was stuff can, stuff can be dumb as shit, but, like, there's fun in stuff that's dumb as shit. And, like, yeah, you definitely. know, a Silver Surfer, that's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a weird concept. It was clearly created in the 1960s when surfing was a thing. And <laughs> yeah, when it was really, really make cool. a surfer a fucking alien? Um, it's just so surprising that a lot of that stuff is, like, still, still going on. <laughs> you know, yeah, they just not? keep using the same character. I mean, I just, my, my complaints about new IPs will remain. Yeah, this is comic books. There's barely any such thing as new IPs. I don't know. I've, I, every once in a while I pick up, like, I just started reading Revival a little while ago, and that one was awesome. What I mean is that there's barely anything new superhero. in DC and yeah. Marvel superhero, superhero comics. comics. Superheroes, I feel like that's a really difficult thing to start up a new IP on. Yep. Yeah. Um, you can put a new brand on a, on an, on an old character. On an old character, a, a lot new concept, easier. A new character, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's Silver Surfer Doctor Who. It's fantastic. The yeah. art is Mike Alred has always had a little bit of Jack Kirby about him. Certainly coming to the fore with this. The dialogue is very very snappy. Some really good, some really good humor moments in it. Some really good, not necessarily what the surfer would say kind of moments um, that are played up for humor, but not in any way gratuitously. Um, it's it's good. Uh, it's really good, and I would check it out. Actually, since we were just talking about new characters uh, as old brands, um, there's a new Ghost Rider now. And of he course, got, yeah. He got launched this week uh, alongside this one. Uh, Robbie Reyes, a um, Latino teenager from a shitty part of Los Angeles, uh, getting uh, getting fucked up by the cops and uh, getting possessed by the spirit of Ghost Rider, and now he's got a car. Um <laughs> It's Ghost Rider, so it's dumb, but it's yeah. not Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider, yeah. so... Man, that movie was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Holy crap. But Eva Mendez was in it. That was awesome. Um, the art for this is pretty spectacular. A lot of very, very good line drawings, a lot of very... Curved. For the Ghost Rider? Or for yeah. The, yeah. I mean, they're both they're both fantastic. And I'm glad that Marvel are doing this, where they're taking, they're taking their characters and they're really recognizing... Um, how good giving a really distinctive artist to one of these comics is is for um reinventing the yeah. character definitely did it for hawkeye definitely working for miss marvel it's going to work for silver surfer i think yeah. it's going to work for this new ghost rider too 
Um, the new design is really, really cool. He looks like a hollow from Bleach. Ghost, Ghost Rider is almost like a fighting game character that escaped the fighting game and somehow got his own comic. Yep. <laughs> Do you know that the actual original Ghost Rider was a cowboy dressed all in white and on a white horse? No, that's pretty yeah. awesome, though. And then he got reinvented as the um, as the motorcycle flaming head dude. Yeah. I mean, he looks... He's one of the coolest looking... Can you call him superhero? Is he a superhero? He's, he's, he's one of those characters that's an anti-hero, definitely. He, mm-hmm. like, he's all about revenge and justice, but it's very much, I'm going to fucking kill you and yeah. drag you to hell kind of things. Yep. Um, you can definitely call him a superhero. Anti-hero would probably be the better description. Which, can, we speak of, can we speak about East, East of West, or are we going to have to wait? Because I got pretty gunned up to talk about East of West today. Yeah, you know what? We got time. Let's talk about East of West. Because I've only read the first collection. But so that's I, like what six issues or so. Six issues. I okay, because I'm up to date. Yeah, I think I'm on like issue nine or ten. Of that yeah. The so, the give first, a bit of background first. It's about uh, death. One of the four, four horsemen of the apocalypse uh, leaves. So you need to give the setting first of all. It's like a futuristic kind of. Can you do it better? There's like ch- super China. Basically, <laughs> it is set in the America of a hundred years from now yeah. in kind of an alternate reality where um, an asteroid struck the center of the United States during the middle of the Civil War. So there's now seven nations occupying America. Um, there's the Union, the Confederacy, a free state of escaped slaves, uh, Texas, uh, Great Plains Nation um, of the Indian tribes, New China, and I absolutely cannot for the life of me remember what the seventh one was, but it's there. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and then, uh, so the four horsemen are kind of... It's also, there's a lot of, there's magic in it. It's not very well laid out, but it's a world where there are definitely supernatural yeah, elements. Yeah, for the, for the Native Americans, used used magic the most, yeah, I do. believe. Um, kind of more like shamanistic animal. Like, there's a shape changer and yep. stuff. Um, but so, Two, in fact. Yeah, the, so the, the four horsemen are born, and only three... Reborn, almost. Reborn, yes. Sorry if I'm correcting and, uh, you too much. No, 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 please correct me. Please <laughs> correct me. And uh, so, but only three of them are there. Mm-hmm. So they're like... Oh well, looks like the our fourth horseman is not here. Let's go find him and fuck him up. So they they go on their little on their little journey. But death has been born years earlier. Death, uh, it, it's not even so much born as years earlier. These these the three um, comes into our plane. Famine, famine, war, and conquest are reborn as children, whereas death is still the old grizzled yeah. cowboy-looking white and black death that he was in the previous iteration. Yeah, like we 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 can't really go into too much death without giving away a lot of this story. Yeah, but he essentially it's essentially death falls in love with someone mm-hmm. and strays from the path, mm-hmm. and because doesn't of, necessarily want to exact his whole apocalyptic role. Yeah, and so and then there are kind of world powers behind the scenes, kind of organizing the apocalypse. You know, uh, they kind of it's kind of hinted to that they maybe work under the three other. The um, the, ba- the basically the implication is that all of the leaders of the various nations um, are in cahoots with each other in order to um, basically bring about the end of the world. Yeah, that is the whole thing. That is the whole driving force behind this. Is like the end of the world is happening. There's absolutely nothing you can do about it. 
you deserve absolutely everything you can because the world is an awful, awful place. Yeah. It's the thing. It is one of the bleakest comic books I've ever read, but not in a walking dead, everything is horrible kind of bleak. More like a grand sort of existential dread yeah. that is really brought out by um, uh, Nick Dragota's artwork. Mm-hmm. The art is just fucking beautiful. It's incredible. It? it has some of the best like action sequences of any comic I've ever read. I it, love It's really the grand, though. That's the thing. There's a there's a yes. huge sense of scale to this. Yeah, and the art really captures that as well. There's like giant, super crazy, like you know, cities robot power and, suit battles. That, and there's not, also giant cities. Yeah, and, like, San Francisco is just is new, um, new Beijing, new uh, Shanghai, yep. and yep, it's just it's deep and it's it's pure classic Jonathan Hickman in the way that like it's very grand there's a lot of very grandiose statements a lot of very glacial writing mm-hmm. um, and underneath has this really really hard punchy edge but it, awful horrible brutal things happen to a yeah. lot of people in it well see I it really didn't hook me at first I really? like yeah I read it, the first it, it couple is a bit of a slow burn then, yeah and then by the by the end of the first collection I was like I was into it I was super into it um but yeah, the and the cover. I'm. I usually think comic book covers look really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, not like art wise or anything, but mm-hmm. just like the way it's laid out. East of West has some of like the coolest covers. This is the thing. Jonathan Hickman is uh, and was before he came into comics a graphic designer. Yeah, it looks and beautiful. It really shows. You know, like his his work has always been very much dominated by really really good design, um, and. Certainly, that is definitely reflected in his covers. When I get my new place, I want to uh, get a series of his uh, Best Manhattan Projects covers because those things are fucking gorgeous. plastered on the walls. Yeah, yeah. At the same, at the, actually, at the same time, I got that. Have you ever read uh, Joe the Barbarian? Yep. Man, Sean a, Phillips. Is he the artist for it? Yeah, I think so. Oh, what a what an awesome awesome comic that is. Speaking um, of Grant Morrison, Sean Murphy. Sorry, not Sean Phillips. Sean Murphy. Um, yes, Sean Murphy. Yeah. Sean Phillips is doing stuff with Ed Brubacker. Um, yeah, no, that those are really, really good. If you like his art, yeah. you would love The Wake by Scott Snyder. He's on Art Duties for that as well. Very cool. Yeah, because, you, you know, that's that's another one. I got both those at the same time and tore through them both. Mm-hmm. And both of those have just such amazing art. I'm going to lend you the Manhattan Projects after this because mm. I think you'll really, really enjoy it. Um, yeah, so East of West, if you like your comics bleak, and apocalyptic and mm-hmm. fucking gorgeous. Check this out. Yeah, it's it'll have a fir- it'll have its first trade by now. I think it's on about issue nine. If you want to go that, route. yeah, no, it definitely does. I ha- I have the first trade. Yeah. Um. So yeah, check that one out, and we will hopefully be able to talk about this with uh, some more people and get their reactions on it when uh, we do our little Hickman centric podcast sometime in the future. Get a little deeper into it. Okay. Well, uh, that about wraps it up for this week. Um. I am not going to be around next week. I'm going to be in Los Angeles, but um, Jake is going to be taking over my place. Mm-hmm. So hopefully two weeks from now we'll be able to talk about Captain America the Winter Soldier. I'm certainly looking forward to that. Yep, it's actually already out in uh, Europe. Yeah, it is. And, and I've, heard, I've heard, I've only heard it's like the best superhero movie made yet. That's high praise. That was some big article a guy I work with was talking about. Mm. I was like, I was like, that's pretty interesting. I was like... Uh, he was like, and they they had another movie before it, and this is why I brought up Batman: Mask of the Phantasm, is because I was like, what's well, what was the other movie that they thought was the best superhero movie? And they were like, Batman: Mask of the Phantasm, and I was like, well, that's a that's a pretty f- fucking legit, yeah, you know, if that's their reference for what they thought was the best comic book hero movie, and then this Winter Soldier movie comes out, and now they think it's this, mm. man, damn, that's some pretty legit shit right there. Yep, looking forward to it. Yeah. Um. So uh, you'll find Hank and Jake uh, taking over. 
duties, hosting duties next week. So and, next uh, week is the anti-Irish podcast. Yeah, you just had to talk about how much you fucking how hate everything hate to do with my country and me. So yeah, have fun with that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I will see you in two weeks, guys. Uh, as ever, um, like us on Facebook. Give us your comments. Uh, if you want us to talk about anything, please let us know. If you have any feedback on what we have been talking and want to call me out on my Ninja T- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles hate. I just really my, hate, I just think the concept is dumb and fun. Or my Harry Potter hate. Or that. Yeah. Um, me let us that. know. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Dr. Tenacity. That's D-R Tenacity. I'm at, I'm at Pizza Hank. You can find me at Pizza Hank on Twitter. At Pizza Hank. You want to say Pizza Hank again? Pizza Hank. Thank you. Uh, see you in two weeks, guys. Jolly cooperation. Ugh.